Let's open our Bibles to John 16. I want to read you something. And we're just going to take this ser- service as it goes, all right? We'll just see how it plays out, if you're okay with that. We're not, uh, we're not restrained by our own traditions, are we? Praise God. Anyway, to be honest, we're not really, we're not really messing with any heavy traditions here. <laughs> But uh, we're not restrained. Sometimes traditions aren't something that was written down and announced or made into a rule book. Sometimes our own traditions that we've held in our hearts nullify the Word of God, and we don't even realize they're there. So when Jesus says to Nicodemus, here's how you'll know the people born of the Spirit. They're like the wind. You can't figure out where they're coming from. You can't figure out where they're going. They are unique in the sense that they are being led by the Spirit of God. That doesn't mean the Spirit of God is chaotic, but it means that His ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. His plans are higher than your plans. And for a moment, I just want to talk to you a little bit about why that's so important in reference to the Holy Spirit. We have have celebrated resurrection, and we're moving into the season in the calendar where we are Moving into Pentecost. Pentecost comes from the word 50 because Pentecost was 50 days following Passover. It was a Jewish celebration, but of course we know that that was a foretelling of what God would do. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the church and everyone who would receive. So here's the deal. When Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit... Uh, starting in John 14, going all the way to John 16. Of course, the Holy Spirit's present through everything that he says. But when we read in John chapter 14, or sorry, it's John chapter 16. We'll go back to 14 in a minute. But when we read in John chapter 16, we see him uh, explain some things. And and then he says in uh, verse 1, he says, These things I've spoken to you so that you may be kept from stumbling. He says, they'll make you outcasts from the synagogue, but an hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think that he's offering service to God. These things they'll do because they have not known the Father or me. So what he's saying is that people will persecute you because they don't know me and they don't know the Father. Later on, he he tells them about the Holy Spirit. He tells them how that he's going somewhere. And he says, you know, in fact, let's read in verse 5. He says, I'm going to him who sent me. None of you ask me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they don't believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you no longer see me, and concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. He says, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. You might remember this is the last conversation that Jesus has before his last significant long teaching he has before he's about to be crucified. He says, I have many things to say to you. Now, what if Jesus were, you know, physically here right now preaching the sermon? I believe Jesus is here. And I believe that, you know, the Scripture says if I'm going to stand up or if you're going to stand up and we're going to preach 
as God's called us to preach, then he says, let everyone who speaks, speak as if he's uttering the words of God, as the utterance of God himself. So, but imagine if Jesus were physically right here and he says, I got a lot of things to say to you, but I can't share them with you. How frustrated would you be? You'd be frustrated, wouldn't you? you you'd be saying, oh, you know, go ahead, I can handle it, I can handle it. He doesn't say, he, he doesn't say we don't have time. He doesn't say, well, you know what, we've talked a lot. He says, you can't bear them. There's things I have to say. You can't bear, you can't carry what I'm about to say. So I won't say it to you. It's a smart preacher who knows when to stop. You stop when people can't receive anymore, right? That's why Pastor Tracy Harris always taught me, and and it was something that I, I learned as a young minister. He would always say, you know what? The service could be all sorts of different times. You don't go in knowing how long you're going to preach. It all depends on how people are receiving. And sometimes you just stop because they can't take it anymore. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes people are hungry and you just keep going. And that's just the way it is. But here he says, I've got many things to say to you. You can't bear them now. But then he finishes this with this. He says, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes... He will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. When he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. So he's saying, the things I have to tell you right now, you can't handle them, but don't worry, you will be able to handle these things when the Holy Spirit comes. You can bear them when the Holy Spirit comes. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to teach you like I taught you. You know, in John chapter 14, when he talks about the Holy Spirit, he says, I'm sending you another helper. The word there for another means just like me, exactly like, like, exactly like you already know. Why did he say another helper? Because they already knew the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ. Every time Jesus taught them, the Spirit of God was there. You remember in John chapter 18, sorry, John chapter 8, he has a big discussion with the Pharisees, and they say, well, you know what? You're not telling the truth. We don't believe anything you have to say. We're the sons of Abraham. And Jesus says to them, because of your father, you're of your father the devil, and you can't hear the truth. He said, you can't hear the truth, you don't recognize it, you can't understand it. What's so shocking about that is those were the most educated people in the country. And he says, you can't understand this. Now, I want you to know and I want you to, to, to fully grasp, you can't understand these things except by the Spirit of God. I know that's an obvious statement. Most of you who are in the room today say, I know that, I believe that. But you have to believe it moving past here and moving to to reality. You can't just believe it in theory. What's the difference between me believing that in theory and me believing that in reality? Believing that in theory, I'll tell everybody, yeah, 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 we can't understand anything without the Spirit of God. We need the Holy Spirit, yeah, yeah, yeah. But in reality, how does that affect my life? In reality, I have to, I get to the point where I have to be humble enough to say, I am not in any way capable of getting this without help. And, and, and if I try to, I'm probably missing the point. If I feel like I've grasped the Word of God without this Holy Spirit, without His aid, without His guiding, uh, if I just feel like I finally cracked the code because I'm so smart, then I'm probably missing it altogether. Now, I'm for studying. 
I'm for spending time and not just taking shortcuts. I'm I'm, I'm pro-study, but I'm pro-studying the Word of God by the Holy Spirit of God because you can't understand that otherwise. Jesus said to the most educated people in the country, you can't hear what I'm saying because you're of your father, the devil, and you don't know my father. Here he says the world will persecute you because they don't know the father and they don't know me. He says, but you, tax collector, fisherman, zealot, rebel, terrorist kind of guy, Nathaniel who's sitting under a tree when Jesus finds him, all of these guys, he says, but you guys, I'm going to send you the Spirit. And when the Spirit comes, He's going to lead you and guide you in all these things. Jesus said so many times, He says, I don't say anything of my own initiative. I say what the Father tells me to say. He says the Holy Spirit's going to do the exact same thing. And here's what the Holy Spirit will do. He will, dis- he will take what's mine and He'll disclose it to you. And He says He'll glorify me. I'm going to tell you, if, you, if what you are... Hearing and what you are learning is not glorifying Jesus. It's not the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does not glorify himself, and the Holy Spirit doesn't glorify, doesn't glorify you above Jesus either. The Holy Spirit will point you to Jesus. He will always glorify the Son, and the Son will glorify the Father. I want you to turn in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and this is a, this is a section we know well, isn't it? I was hoping somebody would say yes. <laughs> All right, we might be here longer, I guess. <laughs> First Corinthians chapter 1. He says in verse 18. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And here's something we want to talk about a little bit, foolishness. Foolishness. What does foolishness mean? What does foolishness really mean? It's folly. It's it's foolishness. It, It is complete and utter nonsense. I hate to break this to you, but what you believe is foolishness unless you know the Spirit of God. Why? Because we are like two-dimensional beings living in a 3D world. We're trying to describe everything in two dimensions, and there's a whole dimension we're missing. So the world thinks they got it figured out. I love science, but science does not begin to even brush the surface of all that God is. (laughs) He has allowed us to peek into a very sliver of something here. And the best scientists in the world will be the ones that tell you, we don't have a clue. We're just starting to figure out that, that, that there are galaxies beyond galaxies, and that the universe is... I mean, we're just scratching the surface, and no matter how fast you learn about the universe you're in, it's constantly expanding. You'll never catch up. And that's just the physical world. Unaware that there is a whole separate, a whole, a whole world that we don't see. That the spiritual world is real. How many of you have encountered uh, in a conversation, you just, hit a, you just hit a roadblock and you realize, here's the problem. I believe in an invisible world. I believe in a God who's a spirit. I believe I'm a spirit that lives in a body. And, and this conversation that I'm having with this person can't really get past that because they only believe in what they can see. 
And the, the helper is the one, because the Bible tells us that that helper, he, Jesus tells us that, that helper will lead and guide you. Do you know you need a guide? And you're never going to be so mature, you're never going to be so grown up in the things of God that you don't need a guide. Here's the problem. We've been walking with the Holy Spirit for long enough. We know the paths. We think we know the trails. And then all of a sudden we say, Holy Spirit, you know what? I got this. I got this. I think I figured it out. I've been saved for like 15 years. I'm good. And then you know what happens? So you, 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 you shoo them away and you say, I'm going to go this way. I'm just going to do my own thing. And all of a sudden you find that the light that lit up the trail in front of you has gone. You find that your, your compass, that you somehow, knowing where north, south, east, and west is, that's gone. You find that, you know, where you used to be able to discern where the pathways were, you don't discern them any longer. Now, the best thing for you in that moment is to say, oh, God, I need you. The worst thing for you would be to figure out a coping mechanism where you say, well, maybe I'll just do it my way anyway. Here's what he says. He says it's foolishness. The word of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing. But to us that are being saved, it's the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. He said, where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Where is the professor? Where is, the, where is, where is your greatest scientist? Where are all? He says all of them, they're, they're great. He doesn't say they're bad but they don't come close to the wisdom of God. He says, has not, God made, has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those that believe. Now, I want to skip down because we, we know this chapter one so well. I want to read you something in chapter two, and this is something you should know well too, but I, I want us to hear it with fresh ears. Remember, there were things you couldn't bear to hear without the Holy Spirit. There are things that you couldn't possibly understand without the Holy Spirit. Jesus spoke very plainly to the most educated. I'm not talking about educated in, in, in the physical world. These men were educated in, in the things of God. They were Bible scholars, and they couldn't get it. Do you know there are Bible scholars today? It's like a brick wall. It is just complete, complete, all up in your brain, and they've worked out a system, and they're missing the main thing. It's a sad thing, isn't it? There's some good Bible schools on the planet. There's some good Bible schools around. There's also some real dead ones that will just rip the faith right out of you. And all you'll be left with is questioning, I don't know what exists. Inches away from atheism. When we start believing that God no longer does miracles, when we start believing that there are no gifts in the church anymore, when we start believing that the God of the book of Acts is not the God of today, we are mirrors, we're, we're a sneeze away from being an atheist. You're a theist. What you believe is there's a God who might sovereignly do something and might not. But you're missing the fact that God moves within his church and he moves with people and he still acts today. And he is not silent. He is active. His voice speaks. We must believe it. We must believe the word of God. But you can only believe it by the spirit of God. Now, 
Who has the Spirit of God? I believe that everyone who's born again has received the Spirit of God. Not everyone who's born again has been totally filled and baptized in the Holy Spirit, drenched in the Holy Spirit. Some of them, their level is low. But I do believe the Bible says, how can you say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit? So I believe if somebody's received, I mean, you can't be saved without the Holy Spirit. If you know if your friends are born again, if they are going to heaven, then they have the Holy Spirit. We might need to be filled up. We might need to be totally, you know, have our world shaken up. But you have the Holy Spirit. Now, the question is, do we submit to the Holy Spirit? Do we receive the Holy Spirit? Do we let the Holy Spirit lead and guide us? Now, here's what he says in chapter 2. He says this. He says, for I determined, in verse 2, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. My message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but they were in demonstration of the spirit and of power. So that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature. A wisdom, however, not of this age or of the rulers of this age who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery. Now, we've talked about this before, but you know mystery is a good thing in the Bible, isn't it? But a mystery, I would urge you sometimes, do your own study. Go home and study this out. Find out every time that God says mystery. Every time you see mystery in the Bible. So you're going to need a translation that actually is halfway accurate. But find, find, find where, where it says mystery in the Bible. Do you know, mystery is never a bad thing. But a mystery is always something that you can't possibly figure out except through the Spirit of God. Except if it's revealed by God. That's the question, is revelation. We talked about this a couple months ago, I believe. I wanted to name the sermon a couple months ago. I wanted to name it Apocalypse Now or something like that. <laughs> because the Greek word apocalypsis is the word for revelation. You see, apocalypse is not a bad word in the Bible. It just means God re- revealing, uncovering. The reason it's bad is because a bunch of people who didn't have the Spirit of God started reading the book of Revelation and think it's all about monsters and doom and gloom, when in fact it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's the hope of the world. And if you'd read it, you would be blessed by reading it if you could understand it. And you could only understand it by the Spirit of God. So, I don't know. I, I would like to take apocalypse back. I'd like that to be reclaimed as a word. So that when we hear apocalypse, we don't think of zombies. We think of, we think of revelation, Jesus uncovering mysteries. And I said this to you before, so you've heard me say it, but, but you know when, when Daniel and Joseph, these men were renowned for walking into a, a, a godless place. But God, thank God, God speaks to godless people. Do you know that? Do you know God can speak to any any. Any leader in the world today, God can have, send him a dream. God can speak to him. God spoke to Nebuchadnezzar. God spoke to Darius. God spoke to Pharaoh. God can speak to them, absolutely. But you know, uh, the Babylonians, they believed in the supernatural. And they had wise men who could interpret dreams, who were trained in it, who, who knew it inside and out. And yet, those wise men, when... when when their leader had a dream, he said, I'm tired of you guys just telling me what you think I want to hear. Here's what you're going to need to do. Don't tell me what, just what my dream means. Tell me what I dreamed. 
There's the test, isn't it? <laughs> Don't tell me what it means. Tell me what I dreamed. They couldn't, obviously. Pharaoh had his, you know, back in Joseph's day, Pharaoh had his guys that could interpret, but they couldn't interpret his dream. There were multiple times in Babylon they couldn't interpret these dreams. What, what, would, what would happen when they sent for somebody who knew the real God? When they sent for Joseph, when they sent for Daniel, both of them said the same thing. I can't do it. But I know a God who reveals mysteries. I know a God who reveals mysteries. Mystery, thank God. You never see mystery in a bad sense. And mystery in the Bible is never talking about who killed that man. Or, you know, mystery of the missing milkshake. No, <laughs> mystery in the Bible is something that's beyond your intellect. You can't figure it out. See, to us, when we hear mystery, we just say, we need somebody smart. We need a Sherlock Holmes. But in the Bible, mystery is something that the human brain cannot unlock. It's beyond you. It's humbling to realize that our brain is just too small for a lot of stuff. I'm not trying to insult you. Thank God, our brain is fearfully and wonderfully made. God made it. It, it is the most complicated organism. It's the most complicated machine on the planet. There's never a computer that can touch the human brain, even today. It is amazing. And yet, without the Spirit of God, you can't unlock the mysteries of God. Now, I am not trying to tell you to go start your own cult where you say, I know something you don't know, because we had those guys in the New Testament. They were called Gnostics. They had a secret wisdom nobody else had. And if you want to be in our club, you got you to kind of go through the motions and learn our secret wisdom. And you know what? They got soundly rebuked and called out. Because the great thing about it is, and this is what Paul says in Colossians, he says, guys, why do you keep going all these people who tell you that you need to know this? And you need them as your special teacher. Oh, you need me to be your special guide for you can't possibly learn it on your own. And Paul says, don't you know that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ? That guy doesn't know them. They're hidden in Christ. First John tells us, he says, you guys don't need, because he, John is also addressing the Gnostics. And they're saying, you need special teachers. You need us. You need, you need some elevated people. We've gone to the next level. You need, you need us. You can't possibly unlock this on your own. We've gotten to the next level. We've embraced a higher wisdom. And John says, you don't need any special teachers. Now, is he saying that there shouldn't be teachers in the church? No, because the Bible says God gave us apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, evangelists. We know that that's a gift that God called to the church, and he's teaching them with a letter. But what he's telling them is, you think to know God, you need that guy, or you need that guy, because they told you they're a special teacher and you can't get there without them. And he says, don't you know that it's the anointing that abides within you that's able to teach you all things? The anointing in the New Testament is synonymous. Old Testament too, synonymous with the Holy Spirit. When you see anointing, you got to think Holy Spirit. They're the same thing. The anointing is often the work of the Holy Spirit. You can't have the anointing without the Holy Spirit. You can't have the Holy Spirit without the anointing. So when he says the anointing that abides within you, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. It's able to teach you all things. See, today, you might think that I'm teaching something. And I am, 
But I'm not the teacher. The teacher is the Holy Spirit. So if you learn anything today, it's not because I taught it well. It's because the Holy Spirit within you taught you something. Led you into something. Guided you into something. It's a two-way street. And I want to show you that in the scripture. If we keep reading, he says this. We speak God's wisdom in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory. In other words, it is bound to be completely incomprehensible to some people. It is bound to frustrate those that are trying to figure it out in their own brain. It is bound to make them angry. He says, but if you'll humble yourself and you will embrace the power of the cross, you will embrace the power of the resurrection, you will embrace the spirit of God. He says, God has predestined this before the ages to our glory, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they had understood it, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. Even the deep places of God, the Holy Spirit searches these things. Remember what Jesus said? He says the Holy Spirit's a tattletale. The Holy Spirit, everything he hears, he'll disclose to you. There is nothing that's withheld from the Spirit of God. He says here, he says that there are things that your eye can't see and your ear wouldn't hear and your heart couldn't even comprehend. See, that's the real reason we need the Holy Spirit is because it is beyond your ability to even dream up what God has planned for you. But God reveals it by His Spirit. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of God, the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God, no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now we have received. Somebody might read that verse by itself in isolation and say, "We can't possibly know what God is thinking." We know that His ways are higher, His thoughts are higher, aren't they? Some people use that to say, "Well, we can't know His will," but that's not what He says. In fact, the opposite. He says, for to us, God has revealed these things. And then in verse 12, he says, now, the only one, in verse 11, he says, the only one that knows the thoughts of God are the Spirit of God. Then he says in the next breath, now to us, we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. And I, I just want to remind you of something that hopefully will wake us up to the fact that you can't know what God has planned for you. You can't know what God wants you to do. You can't know what his will is for you without the spirit of God. This is why it's so frustrating for you to say, okay, God, what am I supposed to do with my life? Some of you young guys, whether you're going off into a new career, or you're going off into additional schooling, you know, the world will teach you, put the pros and cons, pros in this column, cons in the other column. You know what the problem with that is? That's just all you. That's all you. And you don't know what God's got planned for you. You can't figure it out. Your guidance counselor can't figure it out. And so we frustrated, God, what's your plan for me? God, what's your plan for me? And in the same breath that we say, God, what's your plan for me? 
then we start thinking about what we would like to happen and how we like it to happen. Or here's another thought. You, you know ahead of what God has. There may be one of these moments where you're worshiping God and all of a sudden he unlocks an image. He unlocks a vision. He unlocks, he, he whispers something to you and you kind of got a glimpse, a glimpse of what he's got for you. And you take that and you take it from your spirit and you move it to your head and say, okay, how do I get from this point to that point. But if, you, if the Israelites had tried to do that, they would have tried to go around the Red Sea and the Egyptians would have killed them. You see, what your brain can't possibly have figured out is that you serve a God who splits the Red Sea. Who would have ever thought that? Who would have ever imagined that God would want them to go through the water? Your guidance counselor said, that's That's stupid. Your pros and cons, where are you supposed to put that? We get these glimpses. And I'll tell you why patience is so important, because you get these glimpses from the Spirit of God. Oh, my child, the things I have planned for you, you see it in his word, which is that ultimate source, and you see it, and you know it, and somewhere in the depths of you, you know it, and yet when somebody asks you, what's your plan, you know it here, but you haven't yet figured out how to say it. So either you shut up and say, I can't tell you, I don't know. And deal with them thinking you're just unprepared or you try to make something up and you're snared by the words of your mouth because trying to explain what's in here using words formulated up here, you end up getting a lot lost in translation and you fill in blanks that aren't there. I, I, one thing that I, I figured out and some of you heard me say it, I figured out when I was younger and I'm glad and I hope I, I never forget it is that if God gives you five words, don't try to use six words. I've seen, we talked about this when we were talking about the prophetic a, few, a couple weeks ago, or a few weeks ago, I don't know how many it was. We talked about the fact that, uh, you know, uh, a lot of times you've got people that, that have a genuine word from God. But when they say it, they go, oh, that seems incomplete. Or I think that sounds harsh, or maybe, maybe it sounds... It doesn't make sense to them. So you know what they try to do? They switch from here up to here, and they start trying to explain what they heard. And in the explanation, you either water down or completely twist what God was trying to say because you've added to the Word of God. So the most mature people, they just learn. This is all I got to say. If it makes no sense to you, pray about it. Well, you know what we want? We want approval. I want you to look me in the eyes and go, that's exactly what I need to hear. Well, I may not get that, though. You may not. You may find 15 years later that it finally clicks. Can I just trust God that, that, that if I get a paycheck, it's from him and not from you? That, that you can say, I don't need approval from people. I just need approval from God. If you can live with that, you'll be a lot happier in life. A lot, lot fuller, a lot more satisfied. Our desperate need. So, so, Jared, is Cody here? Cody's not here. Well, I'm just thinking about some of these guys that are going to the next stage of schooling. I, uh, I remember what that was like. And everybody wants to know your five-year plan, your 10-year plan. They want to know everything. And sometimes telling them, 
I'm like Abraham, setting out, not knowing where I'm going. I just know the next step. They translate that as, you're unprepared. How many times do people say, I remember somebody sitting right behind me. I was sitting in that chair that my wife is sitting in right there. So that's significant because I was sitting right there and somebody quoted from the verse, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. And I was a single guy who had constantly had people trying to push women on me. And uh, Davidson girls were protecting me. They would, uh, I'd find out later that they kind of gave somebody the stiff arm. And I'd be like, hey. Hey, that's not nice. They say, you're like a brother to us. We're, we're looking out for you. Okay, all right. That's what you need sisters for, right? So I was sitting in that chair that T was sitting in. And somebody quoted that, who finds a wife finds a good thing. And somebody behind me said, see, Jonathan, finds a wife. You got to be looking. And in that moment, I was like, oh, maybe they're right. You know, there's... All of a sudden, I got back to reality, and I said, everything that God's ever done, he led me step by step, and I didn't know everything 15 years ahead of time. I didn't know everything two years ahead of time, but I knew the next step. I knew what I was supposed to do. If I was obedient, he always brought it to pass. If I was obedient to what he said. Now, when he brought my lovely wife, I had to be obedient, and that was tough because you're you're in that rut, and you have, to, you have to step out in faith. You have to step on the water, but thank God I did, and he has blessed me with a wife that's better than I ever could have dreamed or imagined. I didn't make it happen, though. Yeah, all right. It was supernatural. And so here's what he's saying here. He's saying, you don't know, and if you try to figure it out, if it makes sense to your head right away, it doesn't sound like it's the power of God because the things of God are foolishness to the natural mind. He says this. Now, I'm not saying it'll all be stupid. I'm not saying that because you know what? Your mind is being renewed day by day, isn't it? You're renewing it to the word of God. So slowly, your mind is coming to align with your spirit. Thank God for that. And God created your brain. He doesn't want you to be a bunch of brainless people. He doesn't want you to be a bunch of numbskulls. He wants you to use your brain, but your brain must submit to your spirit. Here's what he says. He says, Now we've received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit is from God, so that we might know the things freely given to us by God. Which things, listen to this, we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Now, the translators had to insert some, some words there, because in the Greek it just says, Spiritual to spiritual, basically. It's, and so there's some translations which say spiritual thoughts to spiritual people. Here in the New American Standard, they say spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But ultimately, he's saying this is a two-way street. The things we are preaching and the things we are teaching have to come from the Spirit of God. And they have to be taught by the Spirit of God. We couldn't learn this on our own. We, were, we, were, we, had to be, we had to open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit. And then he's saying, for you guys, for those that are hearing, and, and your, your roles will be flipped at some point too, because there'll be times where you're talking to somebody, and you're, talking and you're saying things that the Holy Spirit's leading you to say, and you don't get it on your own. And it, it, you'll need that other person to 
be helped by the Holy Spirit. Here's what he says. He says, they're not taught by human wisdom. They're taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Like I said, another translation says, speaking spiritual things to spiritual people. Because, in verse 14, a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. What is a natural person? The Bible talks about a natural person being somebody who does not have the Spirit of God. In in the book of Jude, it says these are natural men devoid of the Spirit. So when you don't have the Spirit, you are just natural. Thank God. We're not natural. We're supernatural, aren't we? Because of the Holy Spirit. He says a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. Doesn't accept them. That's why you don't, it doesn't just take a good preacher It takes a good hearer because the preacher's got to preach by the Spirit of God, but the hearer's got to hear by the Spirit of God. You know what it's like? And this is the same thing when you pick up the Bible. Leah, I remember when Josh was talking to me about, you know, how he was was not a reader growing up. He didn't like to read. I mean, he was a very smart guy, but just didn't like to read, like rather spend time outside. When he'd open his Bible, some of you know what this is like when you open your Bible and you just go, oh. I don't like to read, and this is a lot of words. <laughs> Maybe you have that fine print Bible, and you're like, okay, there's like ants on the page. <laughs> Maybe you have King James, and you go, this is not even the same language I speak anymore. <laughs> Josh said, you know, the thing that changed everything was when he just got totally filled up with the Holy Spirit, and he said, he said Lord, I'm asking you to open up these things to me. Reveal these things. Help me to understand this. All of a sudden, he enjoyed reading the Word. It's like having the, that, 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 uh, that decoder code, the decoder ring. <laughs> All of a sudden, these things are unlocked for you. Do you. Have you ever noticed that the Bible, in reality, it's not the language that's hard. Now, maybe you have an old, old language Bible, but I'm talking about just a straight uh, a Bible that's in, in, in the modern, modern language. It's in a common tongue. It's not the language that's hard. It's the concepts that are difficult. And the reason they are is because they go so crosswise to everything you think you know. It it butts up with what you think you know about the world. It says the only way you're going to get it is to have that decoder, the Holy Spirit. Yeah, He unlocks it for you. He says the only way you're going to get anything out of this sermon at church is if the Holy Spirit reveals it to you. And He's willing to. I'm not talking about three people walk away going, oh, I got the special revelation. I'm talking about every single person who has the Holy Spirit is able to be taught by the Holy Spirit. He says that the natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them. You know how frustrating it is for someone who's really, really smart or someone who's really, really dumb and they think they're smart (laughs) to not understand something. You guys remember in school when, when there would be a concept and the teacher, like math is probably one of the greatest examples because, you know, in history, you learn about something, you learn, you learn about something that happened. You know, science, you, yeah, you got you to gotta remember a lot of stuff. But math, you know, it was, all, it was like either you completely failed the test or you completely passed it. Like you got it or you didn't get it. You know what I mean? Did you get the concept? Because if you get this concept, you unlock all these other problems. You can figure them all out. You remember when the teacher, maybe you had a good teacher, maybe you had a bad teacher. I had both growing up. And there would be ones that would just, we just like, 
roar through it like it was the most simple thing in the world, and you'd be so frustrated and be embarrassed to ask any questions. Because some of the good teachers, they, they would, they'd make sure you got it. But some of, the, some of the, the not so good ones, they would just look at you like you're an idiot. And they just repeat it and move on. You know, there was a general, one of, the, one of the, the, the greatest generals in the Civil War was a Confederate general named Stonewall Jackson. We, I visited Stonewall Jackson's house, and they told us a story about, because while he, before he became, uh, before the Civil War broke out, he was uh, a professor at the Virginia Military Academy. And uh, he was a great general, great soldier. He was a terrible teacher. It was terrible. He would, he would just basically, this is how he would teach. He would just read the lesson in a monotone voice. And when someone raised their hand and go, I don't get that, he would look at him, like look at him over his glasses. He'd stop, look at him over his glasses, pick up the, 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 what he was just reading, and read it slower. <laughs> and if you didn't get it by then, you're just an idiot and we're moving on. You'll probably die on the battlefield somewhere. Now, you know the frustration when you just don't get it. It is frustrating to pick up your Bible without the Holy Spirit. Now, you might say, well, we all have the Holy Spirit. Why is this even relevant? Because although we have the Holy Spirit, you have to submit to the Holy Spirit. Okay? Because how you approach a problem... How you approach a situation, how you approach a decision, you have a choice whether you're going to approach it by your own understanding or, as the Scripture says, trust in the Lord. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, seek Him. In all your ways, inquire of Him and don't lean on what you think you know. Did you know when you first got born again, it was really easy to rely on the Holy Spirit because you had no choice? But if you've been saved for a while, you might get arrogant enough to believe that you can figure this out on your own. But we can't. That's how bad doctrines come about. That's, about, that's how weird teaching comes about. When someone wants, and you know what? The difference, you know what always happens? When you are reading the Bible to elevate you, the Holy Spirit's not involved in that. If you're reading the Bible to win an argument, if you're reading the Bible to prove how much you know, the Holy Spirit's not in that because the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. See, when you're opening the Word of God because you want to be closer to God, you want to know Him and know His voice and know His will, the Holy Spirit will be in that. That's why all the, the teachings that are most perverse and twisted and, and the teachings that really lead so many people astray, they're based on elevating a person above Jesus. And you can never do it. So, the Spirit will always elevate Jesus. He will always lead you and point you to the right thing. He says this, natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for they are foolishness to him. He cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. That means when you're spiritual, all of a sudden, by the Holy Spirit, you can see things and you can understand things that you you couldn't before. You understand what's really going on. But it says you're not appraised by anyone. That doesn't mean no one can judge me but God. Because the Bible says as the church we must judge ourselves. We need to look out for one another. What it's talking about is a natural person. You don't, you don't make sense to them. 
they look at you and you go, what? Why? Because what Jesus said to Nicodemus, you're like the wind. Can't figure out where you're coming. Can't figure out where you're going. And the world hates people like that. We love to put people in our boxes, don't we? We love to have you figured out five minutes after meeting you. That's what I want. It makes it easier for me to have a conversation. But that's not what happens. He says, uh, those pe- natural people, you're, you, they can't figure out what's going on with you. What is your deal, man? What's wrong with you? Or what are you high on? Something. I don't know, but you're different. He says, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Wow. We have the mind of Christ. Praise God. Why? Because we have the teacher. The teacher never left us. And we've talked about this before, but what Jesus was to those disciples, he says, the Holy Spirit's going to be exactly like that to you. So exactly what I was to you, what I've been to you all these three years, where when you didn't know where to go, you followed me. You followed, you watched the back of my head and you went where I went. And and when I sent you out, you knew where to go because I told you. When I told you to untie that colt, you untied it because I told you to. When I told you to say this, you did it because I told you to say it. When I taught you something, you understood it. I mean, isn't this crazy that the, 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 the most educated religious minds of the age could not understand what Jesus was teaching and some dumb fisherman got it? Isn't that amazing? And when they come back from their great mission trip where demons are cast out and, and lepers are cleansed and people are healed all over the place and people have received, they come back and Jesus says, I thank you, God, that you've revealed this to these babies. You revealed it to them. I thank you, God. You've hidden it from the wise, but you've revealed it to these guys. Maybe you are, today, if you are highly an intelligent person, you're highly educated. Oh, I believe that God put that in you. But the key is humility. The key is saying, I can't do anything without you. I need the Holy Spirit. And and here's why. Here's why. Sometimes, as the Bible says, sometimes the ones who think they're the smartest, it's they're the last ones to get it. Here's why. Because your instinct is to rely heavily on the crutch of what you know. Heavily on the crutch of your brain's ability to unlock problems. You know what I'm talking about. I've talked to people who got delivered and God snatched them out of the ditch and stuck them in the family of God. And they got no problem believing. I don't know. I'm getting stuff I never could have got before. I know I need the Holy Spirit. You know, it's the ones who think they can hack it. It's the ones who think they're pretty smart. They're the toughest. And it's not because, it's not because they're the toughest because, well, they're skeptics and, and uh, they figured out that there is no wizard behind the curtain. It's because to grasp the things of the Spirit of God, you need to rely on the Spirit of God. And we've trained ourselves to rely so much on what we know and what we've learned. And we have to unlearn that. And we have to unlearn how we learn, if that makes any sense. We have to approach the Bible when you open it, not like a Yale professor, but like a disciple. Because most of those Yale professors are fools. 
Sorry, Yale professors. Hey, if any of them are listening to the podcast, that would be a laugh. I'm sure there's some born-again people in the program. I'm just talking about some of the wisest professors teaching Bible scholarship are idiots when it comes to this. The Bible says a fool says in his heart there is no God. The definition of fool is someone who says there's no God. And I'm telling you today, I have every faith in the Holy Spirit inside of you that he's able to teach you and lead you and guide you. We need to relearn how we learn. We need to relearn how we hear. We need to trust that God, and and here's the thing, we can't rush in. We can't rush into things because we're afraid of people. Submit to the Holy Spirit, and He will show you things you never could have figured out on your own. What does He say? I've taken the foolish things. I've taken the not so wise. I've taken the not so mighty, the not so noble, and I'm using them to shame the, the big shots of the world. I'm using them to show off my glory so that no man may boast before God. See, here's how God's glorified. God is most glorified when it is most evident that we could not have done that on our own. And I believe God wants to be glorified in you. If you are struggling with what you read or you're struggling with what you hear, often that's the wrestling that you're, it's the wrestle between the soul and the spirit. I encourage you, stay in the Word because the Bible says that this, this Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to divide between soul and spirit. It'll tell you what's you and it'll tell you what's God. But humble yourself and say, Holy Spirit, I need you today. I need the Holy Spirit. I need my teacher. I need my guide. I need my leader. And the reason I say this today is because most of the time when we talk about Pentecost, when we talk about receiving the Holy Spirit, the word that comes to our head is power. Acts 1.8 says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses. So we picture, when we think about the Holy Spirit, and rightly so, we think power. We think of this boom, boom, boom. But, you know, I want you to rediscover the Holy Spirit as your teacher. Rediscover the Holy Spirit as your greatest teacher. He's not just the the one who empowers you. He is that. He's not just the one who brings you to Jesus. He did that. He does that. He's not just the one that convicts the world of the sin of not believing in Jesus. He does that. But he is to you your greatest teacher. I can always, well, I can't always tell. That's arrogant of me to say. But you can often tell when a believer reads more books by Christian authors than the book written by God. You could tell when they watch more Christian TV than get into the Word of God. Those things are great. Not all of them are. There's, bad, there's dumb books and there's dumb TV. But there are some that are good. But this, you know the problem with that? The problem with that is you're, you're, you're waiting for somebody else to spoon feed you all the time. I want you to know that this book that God has given you and the Holy Spirit within you is able to teach you all things. I want you to rediscover your teacher. See, maybe you know the Holy Spirit in, in one way and one way only. He helps you pray. He helps you to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. He helps you to be bold to witness. But if you want to know the Holy Spirit in an even deeper way, rediscover the Holy Spirit as your teacher. 
and humble yourself and say, Holy Spirit, I need your help. I'm about to open the book and I don't get it. I'm about to go to church and it's going over my head. I'm about to talk to somebody. And listen, this flips the other way around. I'm about to talk to somebody. And every time I talk to them, I get stuck in my own argument. I get my foot in my mouth. I, I stutter. I don't know. And here he says, I am that I am. Would you just let the Holy Spirit speak through you? Because the Holy Spirit is the one that unlocks the mysteries of God. Salvation is a mystery. And only God can unlock it. Marriage. You know the Bible says marriage is a mystery? And all you married people say, amen. <laughs> what, what, what are we talking about? He says, here's the mystery, that marriage is actually a picture of Christ in the church. Well, see, if you let the Holy Spirit teach you about that, you'd really know how to treat your spouse. You'd really know how to trust God in, as far as your marriage is concerned. The world is full of mysteries, and we're not talking about who done it. The mysteries that God has hidden, not from us, but for us. It's a treasure hunt. God has hidden some things for you that can only be found by the Holy Spirit in Him. It will always lead you back to Jesus because in Him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. What you need to know, you don't need more books to know. Get some books. I'm, I'm a book guy. Read, study, have, a, have an appetite for, for the things of God. And yet, it's not more books that will teach you. It's the Holy Spirit that will teach you. He might use some books to do it. But it is the Holy Spirit that's your greatest teacher. Rediscover it. I, want, I just challenge you this week to say, Holy Spirit, I have neglected. I've neglected you as my teacher. I've, I've, I've trusted. I, when I didn't know how to pray, I, I needed you. When I, when I needed boldness, I, I relied on you. But I honestly, sometimes you just got to say, I honestly, every time I dig into the things of God, I tackle it with my brain. Sometimes I need to sit back and be taught some things. Use your brain. God needs it. God uses it. But let the Spirit teach you. Amen. Let's stand up today.